honest stories you'll love the podcast risk risk is where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share like the one about the guy who cooked and served his own leg to his friends as tacos or the woman who found out the person she was sharing kinky fantasies with online was her dad if you think you've heard it all just wait till you hear risk available now on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts impressive in your work is how much you understand the detail matters how like you, know, you talked about how every character was treated like they were in some ways the main person in the world in, the, in that world you created which but is also a way to make everyone feel like they matter yeah well it's a way like especially with like on minx and stuff with ellen like she's the showrunner and creator and she made everybody such specific characters that it was really easy to like delve into people and get them like in their own little world. And then all the actors have their ideas, you know, it's a huge mesh of coming together, but you absolutely have to like have your character to know where they start to where they can go and later on in the story. And I would assume the same way, even though you're a makeup artist, I would assume there's people that are into the trade, but I feel like you are into, you're into the art. Yeah, and that's why I gravitated towards TV and film. You know, I do red carpet, I do all that kind of stuff, but like creating a character, building a story, working with all these different departments, you know, like that's what I really, really dig. And that's why I dig TV and film because it delves deeper than just surface level, you know? Um, so we're going to keep this all about Minx because I, I want to I focus on that. But I have to ask you about working in Valley Girl, the musical, because... Valley Girl is is honestly one of my one of my lar- biggest obsessions in the world. The movie, it was like to work in that movie if you could, if you can talk about it. I mean, the movie was pretty wild. I think you know a lot of people are hardcore original Valley Girl fans. So what I told everybody is like you can still have that, and this can be this won't replace it. It's a total musical. It's like it's it's campy. It's fun. But basically, you know, we had some of the actresses from the original movie, so that was really awesome. But I definitely, I had done a show previously in the 80s for like American Horror Story. So I had a bunch of kind of research for that, but it was more of like the campy 80s stuff. So I definitely pulled some of that, but watched the movie a million times, you know, pulled looks from the movies. And I just, like I do with the 70s and everything, I researched people. I go into like makeup books, photos, models, stuff like that, and kind of get a basic idea. But what was so cool is Valley Girl was obviously already this badass movie that already had a ton of looks. So I just tried to pull and incorporate that into it. Yeah. The thing with the show, though, is I, I've been doing this 16 years, and this is the most well-rounded cast, well-rounded show I've personally ever worked on, and all of the actors are fucking cool, and that's never, that's never usually the case. You always have one or two, and there's no bad seeds on this one. It's insane. Everyone's cool. Everyone's friends. Everybody is who they are. Everyone's accepting. It's really rad. One of the things I try to do with, with the podcast is get people to share stories. Are you comfortable sharing a story or two about just working on in, in terms of the camaraderie, in terms of it's that one experience that everybody gets along. And I feel like this is that the same. Yeah. Well, one of the examples of this, I'm sure they'll pop up for me. Cause of course, right off the top of my head, I'm like, Oh, but one example of like everyone kind of coming together and making it work was during the first season, the finale, like they kept kind of changing the end 
and seen. And we were on the last day of that. And actually like Jake, Ophelia, Ellen, everybody kind of stopped and went together and kind of rewrote the scene together and worked together. So that was really cool that I've never seen before. Like everyone just kind of giving it their all instead of being frustrated of like, we don't know how this is going to end, what's happening. Everyone kind of came together and made something work, which is really cool. Because a lot of actors would be like, I'm going my trailer, fucking figure it out, you know? Um, I think one of the coolest things was for me was seeing everybody going from like, normal looks to like into their 70s looks and one of my favorite was like Ozzy like I have so many videos of him of he usually has like a full beard and like taking him down and just like seeing how all these people got into character was really rad I also like Jake Johnson everyone's obsessed with Jake Johnson I call him daddy Jake on the show um but I think one of my favorite things with him and you'll notice in interviews he talks about this but whenever he put on like a fur jacket put on his rings and stuff he'd have like a whole new look a whole new walk around but what I think was actually really cool with everyone is they were really supportive with each other. Like there was, as you know, there's no grotesque sex scenes or anything like that, but you know, like Lennon and Bambi are like becoming a thing and some of them haven't kissed girls before. And so it was just a really kind, like cool open space where people would be like, I'm kind of not open with this, but I'm comfortable with you. And everyone kind of came together. There was never any of like, oh, someone's feeling like shit or off and we're going to ignore them. Everyone was always super, super supportive of each other, if that makes sense. Well, what's also clear about Jake is one thing I get, if I see an actor and I'm, I, I get that this is the role that they are meant to do. And I feel like I've yeah. not ever seen him in a more perfect role that felt like that was the most him coming out. Right. Right. He's just the second, the second those callers came and he popped him open. I was like, this is, this is Doug, dude. This is it. I mean, I enjoy his work. I've always had, but this, in this thing, he, I'm just like, this guy was meant to do this. Yeah. And I will say, and I will say too, with Ophelia and Jake, like they very much, you know, a lot of times like the number one and stuff you expect them to kind of set an example. These guys were like insane examples for people, like always bringing stuff to the table if anyone had concerns or anything and just were really, really open and always like giving their best and stuff. So I thought they were really good examples of like how to be on a set and respect everybody and want the best for everyone's work. And also, by the way, I fucking love your Instagram. So thank you for all the inspiration. I, I think I found that before. I mean, I think I found you before you ever found me. And I've been following you for a while. And it's awesome. Like, I send everybody, like, the, the people, the puppeteers from the other day from the 70s, those creepy fucks. I was sending that to everybody. I love I love all the Thanks. research and, and stuff I, you do. And I have, to, I have to say vice versa. Like, I you know, got to know you through your work. And I did a, I did a post about Minx like a year ago. I'm not just going to tag the three main stars. I'm going to tag as many people because... I mean, especially your work in this. I mean, I feel like without you, this doesn't work. You having bought all these Playgirl. I was about magazines. to say the amount of people who walk in the trailer. I had, it was kid friendly for the day we had kids, you know, but any other time I had just, you know, cause I wanted everything authentic. So I had just like boxes of penthouse and boxes of Playgirl and like all this kind of stuff from the seventies and people could kind of just come in and look and like, some people would just laugh about it. Some people would be like, oh, I'm more comfortable being nude now. But that was really funny seeing everybody's reactions. But I think everything. that's that's a way of you making people feel comfortable and, and be able and, and to and to teach them how to connect with the with the part. Yeah, I mean, I think that's especially with all the the dicks we did and stuff. I think that's the most important thing. Like you have to get people as comfortable as they can. And like with me, I don't even. I know it sounds ridiculous, but a naked body is just a naked body to me. And now, like even dicks, I've done so many dicks prosthetics that I have to like kind of remind myself. Oh yeah, so many dicks. I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, this guy, this is his first time he's done this. So like, maybe I should just not like throw it on him and go crazy, like coax him into it. But um, some of the really funny shit with Ellen was, you know, 
always our conversations in the production meetings, whenever like the prosthetic would come up, everyone would be sitting there and we'd be like, but more pubes. So there's not enough pubes or the dick needs to be two inches longer. Or like, we've had things where like, we have an actor with a prosthetic and then I have to be go to her and be like, you know, the actor's penis is the same size. So we have to like make it a little bigger to make it da 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 da. And so those were conversations. I remember when she wanted some like very, I hate to say ugly, but small kind of not as cute looking penises. She would send me like pictures of like Sharpays and like wrinkly dogs and stuff like that. And so we wouldn't even look at dicks. <laughs> we would just look at like textures on or the poor actors where I go, hey, I know this guy had an eight and, eight and a half inch dick like two episodes ago. You're going to have the two inch penis. So that was always kind of one of those things where it was like, it was always interesting, like putting on the prosthetics and stuff. Cause I'm like, obviously I'm a woman and I'm like, I don't want to like mansplain your penis to you but this is how you're gonna do it what was your connection like with lennon was it any different i mean i mean lennon is awesome and she's she's like she's she's like when everybody walks in the room they're like oh my god that's that's lennon that's lennon like every actor everybody like she's such a brilliant writer she's such a cool chick she's everywhere but she's so under the radar so i mean her and i had a lot of like discussions and stuff about her look but as far as her going off the lingerie stuff she she probably pulled all that herself um but like what I would do with all of our main characters and stuff is I would usually make like a basic board for their looks and so they would get a basic idea and we'd all agree on that and then we'd play from there so like a lot of times um you know like with Lennon I don't believe she ever pulled any pictures and gave them to me but I we would pull pictures and just talk and her makeup artist Sue and her had a really great relationship and would do that but what I will say is she did laugh about being like yeah I used to look at your playgirls and other things like that so I'm sure somehow we talked about Pinterest and stuff, but never exactly about the lingerie. Just, you know, like it seems like certain actors are, I'm not going to say method, but that seems like a method way of working. Sure. And I'm just sure. wondering if, if there's ever been, especially in this show and Minx, if there's ever been actors that like you pull the shit that they would, and they're pull and, and they have the same idea. Is that ever, did that happen in the show? Absolutely. Where- I mean, I've had, I've had like, I believe Ophelia. I remember I had pulled a bunch of like Cheryl Teague's photos for her. And I believe when I met with her, she was like, Oh my God, I love her. Like she's who I was thinking of and little things like that popped up. I mean, there was a lot of like, a lot of the discussions happened in like the production, like with Ellen and stuff. And so that would be a little bit of like getting on the same page. And then the actors and I would come together and be like, this is what I'm thinking. And they'd either be like, yes, or like, but this is what I'm thinking also and have ideas too. But I I'll be honest, like a lot of the time, like, especially Idara and a few other people, they would just be like, just do whatever you want. You know, they were like, I just want to go with the dress and stuff and do what you want. So there was talks about some things like obviously with, with Lennon's lingerie look, the first time we kind of see her bumped up a bit. What's really cool about this next season is everyone is kind of to a new level. And so we did makeup and hair to kind of show that. And so there was a lot of creative talks between that as well. And Lennon was definitely one of the focal points of like bumping her up in certain places and like showing that she was kind of like letting loose a little bit and like allowing herself to kind of be dolled up and stuff like that. I hope that answers the question. But how does it feel as a makeup artist, as an artist, makeup artist, when people trust you like that? It's the best fucking thing ever. I'm still going to ask opinions, but if they don't want to give it to me, it's fine. You know, but I mean, I think there's really no greater compliment than someone like sitting down in your chair and just being like, I I'm so glad I don't have to worry about this right now. And I can just like read my lines or I'm so glad I can take like when someone takes a nap in your chair, I'm one of the crazy makeup artists that will do makeup anywhere. So like, if you want to sleep, you can sleep and I'll do your makeup type thing. What I want to hear now real quick is about the dream sequence. I mean, it seemed like it was one of the craziest fucking things to probably have shot. It was so, I mean, Lennon is just so fun. And it was so fun putting her in all these different looks because as you know, like 
she was romantic in one and blah, blah, blah. So we would look at like old romance novels and we pulled like a look from that and stuff like that. So that was really cool because it was just, you got to be creative and play like where you can make her really dewy and shiny and something that she would not normally be in character, which I thought was really fun. And we've done a few things like that to Ophelia where we've bumped her up this next season to characters and other people. And that's really cool to see transforming. But I just think Lennon is such like, she's so chill and like you said the heart of the show and kind of mellow but you find out like she's one of the most like dynamic characters and she becomes the most involved in everybody's world as she's changing herself so and while we're yeah. talking about season two i don't know how much you can talk about it how much you can't i mean does it do the years change so as far as season two like we just jumped a year so we're still in the early 70s so the makeup looks kind of still lived in the world but you know, Joyce, Ophelia, for example, she's she's kind of like at the helm of of Minx and she's kind of like stepped into it. So she's kind of got her look has elevated. She's kind of more of a boss look. She has her lashes. She wears makeup like she might have back in the 60s. Idara, we really elevated her, too, because she was kind of, you know, we wanted her more neutral and kind of chill because she was like the boss lady. And we wanted to have more fun with her and bring her a little bit out of her shell because she's like, yeah, I can be a boss bitch, but I also can have fun. So we did a lot of really fun looks on her. It seemed like, in my opinion, Tina was the most rewarding for you to design. I could be wrong. Yes, I love her. I'm so obsessed with her. And we went really into Diane, Diana Roth in the second season. Like we really bumped up yeah. colors and stuff and, and played. Tina's character, I kind of like, I really like you said, the Pam Greer and stuff like that. I really honed in on supermodels for her, you know, like Diana Ross, obviously, who's a singer. But I really, a lot of people I honed into models and looks, you know, I usually like watch shows and stuff, kind of get an overall and see how the makeup moves and stuff. And then I go on certain people. But she was really fun. She was someone who'd fall asleep in my chair a lot, which I loved. But she always, you know, she always obviously had opinion of like, these are the colors I'm thinking and this is blah, blah, blah. But as soon as I'd be like, I think we're going with blue, she'd be like, rad, boom. And then I would just go. So she would always kind of have the same style. Like I really like to play up her eyes, but I would just change the colors of her eyes a lot. And we were a lot more playful with it because I feel like we could get away with more. And also it's really cool to do like all these muted like greens or muted blues and stuff that you would never see possibly on darker complexions nowadays, but you can totally play with and work back in the day. So I love doing stuff like that. There was a lot of like white and black uniting coming out. There was a lot of, so there was a lot of more black people in print and that were being seen, which was really cool. Um, obviously the facial hair, you know, all the froze, all the really cool sideburns and stuff like that was pretty legendary and pushed. And like, we still see it till this day, which is really cool. So you know, knowing just as much as I know, I feel like self-expression really started happening with a lot of people. And I would assume the black community was pushed in that way as well. Is there one song that you can think about? You were like, oh, well, this has to be this or this is this. No, it's funny, though, because what I did every morning starting like the first season is I would only play 70s music. So like at a certain point, that's all we heard. So that was just kind of the vibe of like of what we would do. So I would just play 70s music all the time. We just kind of go for it, like funk, soul, pop, like. All right, let's yeah. talk about Rachel. Um, how are you connected? What, you know, do you connect as artists? Do you connect as friends? What's it like to have this long relationship with this person who's got your back and you're working with? It's pretty awesome. Um, I met Rachel about like 14 or so years ago on the first movie I ever department headed. And she was actually the first AD. <laughs> and um, just this horrible little horror movie that we did. And then from there, she just like kept going and going. She was producing and directing. She started with Funny or Die. Well, we, we met in Asylum, too. We used to work on Asylum movies, like, you know, the Mega Shark versus whatever the fuck. They did Sharknado and stuff. Like, they're the first company I ever worked with. Yeah. But she worked with them as well. And so she just kept bringing my name in. And what was cool is both of our careers were going. And, like, 
she kept putting my name in and thankfully I, I was catching up to her. So I was able to go on projects, but she's someone who's just really cool. She's very creative as well. She's very open to hearing everybody, but she also has a vision. The actors fucking love her. Like she's so great with all the actors and she's, she's just so good at being a team leader, but also stepping aside and letting people do what they do. And, um, yeah, she's just really loyal to the people that she digs. And so I'm super thankful that she brought me in the loop and Ellen and everybody liked me. She's like a huge, like she's so sought after right now too. You cannot pin her down. Like everybody wants her. Yeah. Everybody wants her, which is awesome. So in terms of like your work, I'm curious on who you're, who are the people that really influenced you as a question? Sure. So some of the, you know, first watching movies and stuff, you know, obviously there's Rick Baker, there's Dick Smith. A huge one for me was Rob Boutine, who did all of the stuff for um, uh, The Thing. So Rob Boutine did The Thing. He did like, he's done crazy like mechanical prosthetic stuff, but he was a big, big presence. But as far as like when I first started working, like before I even got in the union, I started working for Kenny Myers, who he, I mean, he's done crazy movies in the 80s. He's been a pretty dominant effects artist since then. I mean, he did Lincoln with Lois Burwell, like I think a handful of years back. That's something he was working on. But he also created this makeup brand called Skin Illustrator, which is arguably the top um, makeup effects line out there. So that was really cool, learning a lot from him. And working with him, I also met Chris Gallagher, who is also a large effects artist. And he was a huge influence on me. And he was actually my introduction to my first union show that I ended up running, which was Teen Wolf. So I would say, yeah. So I would say Kenny Myers and Chris Gallagher were a big, big influence on me, just getting my very start, being people that were like tangible and in front of me, you know? Is it, is, is it tricky? I mean, only because you gave all male names, is, was, yeah. has it been tricky to be female in this world? Is that if, how does that work? If you're, if you're comfortable, I don't want to start. Yeah. Start I think, you know, I will say this, like I've worked with some really fucking awesome guys who support women don't treat me any differently or super cool. But then there's also the ones on the other end that, you know, have gotten in trouble for sexual harassment. You know, I've definitely been told to do shit better, like a guy and things like that. But to be honest, I've never, I've also kind of like always let that shit roll off my shoulders. And so it never really affected me. I think looking back, it was worse than I thought it was. But I will say for me, it hasn't been a huge, a huge issue for me. I've always kind of seen past it and worked past it. But I, I'd be lying if I didn't say a lot of the times I'm the one girl in a big group of people, you know. And a lot of the artists I work with are, you know, I'm in my 30s. A lot of them are in their 50s and 60s because I got in the union kind of young. So I'm also working with some old school mentalities as well. So I, I'm hoping things are kind of coming better with like people my age and stuff coming up. So short for me, it wasn't horrible. There's definitely times, but I don't want to take away from there. There are certainly people that take advantage of women and don't want them in and push them out. But I have been very lucky to get the hell away from those people. And what's kind of what I thought was really cool is I was surprised at how much press there is about you, especially for this. I mean, you, I, I get that I get that you see this as a collaboration, and I, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I still feel like your leadership, your way of being, your it, whatever you do, made people brought the best out of people. Thank you. I mean, that's all that's all you want to do is like you hope that, especially being behind the scenes, you know, like all I want to do is help someone be pushed more into their character and like feel like themselves or feel like that character when they're leaving and have no like issues about it. So honestly, like some of the interviews and some of the things that I've heard, like Lennon mentioning, like coming into my trailer and reading playgirls before a scene and stuff like that. And that's been the biggest compliment is just people mentioning me in any factor 
in their creative process. Like what's fucking cooler than that? And I just remember when back when we were with HBO, you know, they, they did this little cut of, and like interviewed me, Chris Fulton and Beth, who was the costume designer at the time. And I just remember watching that and being like, that's so fucking cool that people saw every little detail that we were doing and actually like, not to say you don't appreciate it, but you know, sometimes people are like, great, that's good. Move on, which fine. But it was just really cool to be in a, such a collaborative position and people seeing that and just being a part of that. Like, it's so cool to be a part of other people's process in a positive way. And like, like you said, people mentioning in other interviews and stuff like that, like how fucking cool the whole show and everything happening and the, the creative process is what helped push that. So what did, I want to hear about, especially speaking of King of Dicks, Jason. <laughs> Jason Collins or Jason Hamer? Jason Collins. Jason the yeah. Collins. Uh, he did, he yeah. did all the, what's his company yeah. again? Jason Collins, Autonomous Effects did all of season one. And then season two, Jason Hamer from Hamer Effects did all the effects. So I got both the Jason. Yeah, Jason was just so busy. Yeah. I mean, Jason's the homie, but. <laughs> but just what was it like working with Jason? It seemed like, you know, he the way he talks about stuff, like there's a whole, um, that some of the prosthetics you would put your dick in, which I thought was like, well, holy shit. Yes. Yeah. 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 What, <laughs> how does that work? So, I mean, so some of the prosthetics, so basically the dick itself is a little hollow, right? Depending on what it's doing. So you do have the option where you can put your dick in it. But again, I know I'm a chick saying all this, so please, guys, don't be mad if I'm fucking something up. But, you know, a lot of these guys are wearing it for like 12, 14 hours a day. So some guys were like, were like, I don't know, what if I start to get hard? What if something happens? And so I, everybody on my show opted not to do that. So what we would do is we would use transgender tape and we would do the tucking back method. And then, and then just try and get them as tight as we could. And then we put the prosthetic over, you know, where their Ken mound would be, basically. Shop artists also can do sex toys is a very like quick switch over, which is so funny. Um, it talked about, and it talked about you learning about tucking tape. What is tucking tape? Yeah. Who made, who made so, tucking tape? So I'm not sure. I, great artists that I work with. Is it called Allen. tucking tape? Yeah, it's transgender tucking tape. If you go on Amazon and you, and you type in tucking tape, I'm pretty sure that is the brand that will come up. But basically it was, it was made for transgender kids to be able to tuck underneath their bathing suits. And so, yeah, so it's just kind of like a, a medical adhesive that you just pull everything tight. And I, what I would do is we'd pull it and adhere it back up in their ass cracks. So we get like three sixties of people. Has horror influenced your, your, you in the world in terms of your, did you get, did you watch a lot of horror movies as a kid or, or as a teen or anything or not so much? <laughs> What's so funny is I grew up as a dancer. So I like, I grew up on seven acres. I had like satellite. I didn't watch TV a lot. Hence the reason I need to watch way more movies, but honestly dancing and working in makeup and then going to school for that is what got me into TV and film. So once I started going into makeup, I was like, Oh, I want to keep going with all these prosthetics and stuff. You had an injury, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had neurosurgery. And so I couldn't dance anymore with like within days of having it. But I very much, because I do a lot of blood tubing and I do a lot of prosthetics and stuff like that and gags, I definitely like the 80s and like the violent movies and all that kind of stuff was the things I first started gravitating to towards. And the older I am now, I'm like, oh, I don't need to watch all that violent shit. But it was definitely a huge influence. And then when I was doing stuff like American Horror Story and stuff like that, like one of our seasons was the 1980s. So I just went crazy with the 1980s. Like I remember like Sleepaway Camp was like my favorite movie for a while because it was so fucking good. But I, I mean, I'm influenced by everything, you know? Is there any, any particular stop motion films or shorts that kind of like, you know, you, you that really, I don't know, that you've liked or enjoyed? Obviously, like the Army of the Dead stuff is super fucking cool. 
but off the, I'm so bad with names off the top of my head. No, I remember like as a kid, I, I watched this one show like crash or something like this. And it had a ton of like claymation that I thought was super fucking cool. I mean, even like Gumby and old school stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I know. I don't think people realize how little, even like with the new stuff where they just change heads or hands, like how many years did it take to make Coraline? Like who even knows? Like what, six, seven years or something? I wouldn't be surprised if it was even more. Uh, okay, so getting back to nudity, I'm curious on like the process of nudity and safety that, y- that you've been part of. What's that process like? There's got to be weird rules about like even fake dicks. I do know as far as like dicks, I do know the hard dick thing is a thing. So I don't know if they've ever done a hard prosthetic dick yet, but for as far as I know, they always need to be flaccid. Well, we did one that went hard and then it went down. So I don't know if that's how they got away with it. Jason made this badass eight and a half inch, you know, for one of our guys. And me and this incredible artist, Mark, Mark Neiman, like ended up putting it on. But it basically had to go up and down the whole time. And so we just had an armature wire in it. And then on set, when it would need to go up or down, it would be like me or Mark running up there, getting on our knees and like pushing the dick up or down. And at one point after like 12 hours, you know, because these things like they're amazingly made and like. Jason's awesome, but there's only so long that a prosthetic can live and look good for. So after like 14, 12 hours, like it just wants to give. So at one point it just started like, cause it was so heavy. Mark went and tied a fishing line to it, fishing string. And we put it around his head. So then at points we were using a fishing line just to keep it up. It was so crazy. And but, I think um, that's kind of how, that's kind of how those, pers- those implants work is there's a little pump. Oh yeah. Well, for people when they really get, yeah, it's so interesting. Well, as far as I know, too, with with people who change their sex, there's two options now. You can pump it or you can get like a little like not an armature, obviously, but something that you can just flick up and down. I think those are the two ways. Um, all right. So I want to I, I get about another 10 minutes and we'll call it a day. I'm, you talked about watching porn from the 80s and uh, 70s in from terms the of 60s desi- and 70s. 60s, yeah. Sorry. In terms of designing the bottom dollar thing. So I'm curious on anything that you just thought was funny or that you enjoyed. Oh my God. I mean, I think a lot of porn is funny, not because not to put any porn down, but sometimes it's just so crazy. Like a lot of our bottom dollar girls, which is Doug's company, which is the nude ladies. Every time we do a photo shoot, I go and try and look at pornos and stuff. Cause I was like, if there's any little fun with that, if people actually know these pornos and like see that the makeup is there, that would be funny. But I remember there was like this old, this nun one and so there were these crazy nuns with like blue eyeshadow up to here and then like every photo I found of them was like three nuns getting railed and I was just like oh my god I can't like showing these pictures to people on the makeup team I'm like I know there's there was literally this one photo of of this one really great other nun makeup where it was really white and frosted out but she had like a dick in her face and I remember I was like this is how I want the makeup to look for everybody so I printed them out and I'd like sharpie out the area and it totally you could totally tell it was a dick right there but those were like my photos that I used but I was surprised just like how much makeup and how like glam, like trashy glam all these ladies were back in the day. Like, I think I like the sixties better than the seventies. And also with that, not porno, but it's cool to see, you know, like all these makeups that are going on in the line work and stuff. And everybody's like, look at the new makeup style. I'm like, you guys, that's all from the sixties. Right. A lot of places are like five to 10 years behind in fashion. Yes. Yes. And I, and I like that you kind of picked that up and you designed yeah. Yeah. Um, like I tried to breathe a lot of 60s still into that, which is obviously then influenced by the 50s and the 40s and stuff like that. I think that's what really makes a period piece more realistic is the fact that you don't have everyone just looking one certain way because that's not how people were. You have some people that are super like disco-y. You have people that have no makeup at all. You have people that are still stuck in the 60s. You have Lennon's character who looked like a 60s housewife at first and then is kind of figuring herself out in a different way. 
So I think that is really important to make it solid. Um, last question I have for you. One thing I really liked about the show, it seemed very inclusive of LGBTQ community. Of, of yes. I mean, it seemed like, what was it like to work on that kind of thing? And in the 70s, there's only things that were that were welcome. And it, it was pushing, there's so much pushing boundaries in the 70s. Sure. And yet the same things we're putting out now are like problematic. Well, it's like all the birth control shit when all the birth control shit happened. And we're like, God, we're back in 1973 again. How the hell does this happen? Tell me, me what is it like for you to, to, you know, to have grown up with all this influence? And then also now you're told, like, I can't, this is not okay. What's, what are your feelings and whether it's political on, on, on that idea? Well, I think a lot of it is political, you know, but also I agree with, you know, with like, that China thing, like with that white girl being like, I look Chinese with this makeup, like that shit is totally ridiculous and inappropriate. And that shit has got to go, you know, but as far as like, you know, like women's rights going back and forth and then gay rights going back and forth, it's just fucking disgusting. And then when you're looking and you're researching and seeing obviously all the work people did and how excited it was that like women could get, had their rights and that gay men could love each other and shit. And then it all to go backwards. I think it's, it's clearly politics and like, this country becoming fascist. Um, but I do think it's all polit- politics and control. I don't understand why people want to go backwards when it was fine all the fuck along. I just, it's always the people that are loudest who know the least. Like half the time people come up and interview them and they contradict everything they're saying. They have no idea what they're fucking saying. Sarah Silverman did a really good uh, comedy special. She makes a point, you know, Jews are going to replace us. We're only like 0.4% of the fucking population. How the fuck are we going to replace anybody? Yeah. We're all mixes <laughs> now, you guys. We're all fucking mixes. Like This has been, a, a tr- this has really been an honor and it's been cool connecting with you. And again, I'm yeah, you too. Thanks for being so patient of, with yeah. me jumping on. Hey, thank you so much for checking out this episode. Uh, it was a pleasure to get to know Carly. Next week, we have the William Franco episode with Eric Edelstein and, and Sam Levine. Um, ep- uh, the week after, Shelly and Lenny, Rich Summer and Lennon Parham. The uh, week after that, we're calling it the Clifford's Big Red Dick episode. It's a conversation with the creator, Ellen Rappaport, who is, is the only reason that we're doing this podcast in the first place, because they've created this world that so, so I'm so happy to be in. Episode five is called The Dick Episode, discussing prosthetics with Jason Collins, season one, and Jason Hammer, season two. Episode six, Mel Schwartz, 80s pornographer, um, calling him a real-life Doug Renetti. Uh, Mel introduced my parents. Uh, my dad's best friend. He, you know, if we get to the season 11 or 12, it looks more like Mel's life, but thought it would be a good addition. Um, another makeup episode we're doing, ep- episode seven, uh, with Z Graham and Levi V, I'm going to mess this up, Vieira. Uh, and we're going to re- release Oscar Montoya's episode. Um, we just added some of the sound team that worked on mixing the soundtrack. Uh, and we're just, we're adding some fan stories. Uh, we're involving Risk podcasts with a few stories themed around this. This is a, this is a pleasure. And then we also just dropped a, a, a um, we do these deep dives on my webpage, finishinosarchive.com. Go to deep dives. We just did one on Minx that covers so many different things. This show was so well-researched that I could teach a class on Minx, and I hope I can, especially to high school kids, this speaker, especially for kids in Florida. Let me, you know, call it the dick class, teach about feminism, all this stuff that they need to hear about. Um, anyway, so it's just been a dream. So check all these things out. And again, we run on fans. We run on donations. Uh, I'm not 
well, and I, I can't go into the corporate world, so I screw myself and then have somebody own my stuff that could easily do what they did to Minx and drop it out of nowhere. And I'm not about to hand over a year's work and, and, and 13 before that to someone who just decides one day to, to drop it. I'm not doing that. So we need your support. Uh, another way you can help is, is these episodes are going to be big. Um, we've interviewed so many of the, so much of the cast, so much of the crew, uh, and, and, and Ellen Rapport herself, who is a genius. Um, it's going to be a big opportunity. Uh, again, we have 30, over 38,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, we're, we're offering ads and sponsorships that include the podcast, that include us posting on our stories and our timeline. And um, that's another way that could really support us. Uh, get in touch with me. Best way to do it is email vintageanalsarchive uh, at gmail.com or find me on Instagram and work it out. And it would, you know, I, I do, I, I can truly, I truly believe that that's going to benefit you, get yourself out there and also benefit us. And to me, that's win-win. Thank you.